much well-meaning, well-meaning advice from people who just don't get it, um, which yeah. is fine. Like they're very well-intentioned and they want the best for me. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it's it's not actually relevant to what I'm about and who I am. Yeah. Um, and so. Guys, what an episode. I mean, we're here at GHD HQ, uh, it's your boys, Ryan Lumens, Jack Orbord. Um, the pretension is, mate, we are literally mate, I'm, breathtaking. I'm feeling so inspired right now. I mean, she, oh. I've kind of, personally myself, I'm going through a little bit of a turbulent time in my career where I'm like, oh, I haven't made the right choices. Is this where I should be going? And after hearing Jillian speak for the hour that we just did, I'm so inspired, so confident in what I'm doing and where I'm going. Um, she's just someone and her story who really kind of, if you're going to listen to this episode, will just inspire you to go and do exactly what your passion is in engineering. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so yeah. If, if we've just had guys, uh, Dr. Gillian Kenny. Um, I can't even give you the title of what she does. She's basically a, a, a <laughs> super superhero, superwoman. Yeah. Um, but she is a civil engineer entrepreneur, uh, keynote speaker, you know, she's done, she, she's done a lot. Yeah. Fighter pilot, she's, she's everything. So, <laughs> but uh, an amazing episode um, and, and really to, to quote Sheryl Sandberg, um, you know, your career is, is, shouldn't be a ladder, it should be a jungle gym, Absolutely. you know, your corporate yep. career. So, and she speaks um, well to that. And she embodies that and uh, I think that's what this, this episode is really great for. Um, if you're someone that's maybe entrepreneurially minded, uh, if you're a very creative engineer, um, you know, if you have many interests, many hobbies, many talents, um, and you don't feel like the one sole nine to five job is for you, uh, this is an amazing episode. And yep. if you maybe have started an engineering degree or thinking about an engineering degree, don't be consumed with the idea that you have to only be an engineer. Absolutely. Uh, I love the idea and I am advocating more and more for people, instead of doing a Bachelor of Business or a Bachelor of Arts when you don't know what you want to study, do a Bachelor of Engineering. It's an yeah. amazing degree and you learn so many good skills. Uh, and, and, and I suppose uh, Gillian, mate, you'll agree, she emulates that really well. It, Absolutely. Yeah. And imagine having an engineering degree, mate, and going to work in a business type job or something like that. You are leaps and bounds ahead. And I, yeah, I really like your point that you just said then. Like, go and do an engineering degree, push yourself, yeah. and really come out with something that's it's almost like an insurance policy because you can go and do your big kind exactly. of careers, your kind of nine to fives. Yeah. But at the same time, be entrepreneurial and go and push yourself. Um, yeah. And Jillian is such a great example of that. Uh, we'll kind of shut up about it because we don't want to give away too much of the episode and we'll let you guys get into it. But yeah. really give this one a listen. Well yeah. worth it. And as we always say, guys, please give us your feedback, your recommendations, um, your guests uh, and all your advice and uh, keep following our recruitment campaign. Uh, we are the boys, but we don't want to be uh, for much longer. We are super keen to actually get an amazing, powerful, and a passionate uh, woman in STEM to come and join us on the show as a permanent partner of ours. Yep. Uh, whether it's a scientist, an architect, town planner, project manager, or an engineer, we uh, we want to spice up the spice up the, the episodes a little Absolutely. bit, and um, you know break up these these boring old boys' voices. So um, we're super keen to find her. Uh, we've interviewed a couple of amazing applicants already. We've got a few more this week that we'll be talking to. And um, but yeah, as always, guys, enjoy. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you soon.
G'day guys, uh, it is your Pretensioneers here, Ryan Lumens, and I'm with my old faithful Jack Orwell. Welcome back to another episode with the Pretensioneers, and it is an absolute cracker this morning. We're at GHD. GHD HQ, 145 Ann Street. Thanks very much, GHD, for having us. Yep. Beautiful, right. chilly winter's day uh, here in Brisbane. But no cloud uh, in sight, it's going to be a good episode. It's going to be a good episode, and uh, the guest we have today, guys, uh, I actually just heard her keynote yesterday at uh, the UQ Powering Ahead event. And um, she's pretty pretty formidable superwoman. Um, so uh, we have with us Dr. Gillian Kenny. Hello, great to be here. Thanks very much for making time. This Wonder Woman was in Adelaide on Wednesday, Brisbane on Thursday, and literally flies out in a couple of hours and made time for us. So thanks very much. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah thanks for having me. One um, one thing we love to do, I suppose, to help a lot of young professionals and students. Um, learn is their 30 second elevator pitch, um, especially when they start going to networking events and, and things like this. Um, I wasn't really aware of it until I got really to the end of my uni uh, career. Um, so if you could start us off, Gillian, with uh, I suppose your, your 30 second elevator oh, cool. pitch. Thanks for springing me. <laughs> <laughs> All the tough questions. I mean, you're a keynote speaker, you, you should be cool under pressure. The more right? qualified you are, the more we'll just spring things on you. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, well, I'll give it a go. Um, <clears throat> So I guess my background is, of course, in engineering. I studied civil engineering in, here in Queensland. Um, but uh, since then, I well, I worked for a while in engineering at the Port of Brisbane, which was really great, mm. and went back and did a PhD. Um, and then while I was doing my PhD, realised that I did not want to be an academic at all. <laughs> so, um, Us too. Us too. Yeah. So I took that opportunity to... Um, do some things that I was really interested in and so at that point I started a non-profit called Power of Engineering mm -hmm. that um, is designed to inspire young people about engineering careers and break down the stereotypes that exist around the profession um, and then started a commercial mathematics education company called Macanum um, which is around maths in real life so it's oh. um, yeah it's, it's focused on um, contextualizing how maths is learnt in high school classrooms. So it's cool. like learning through the real world rather than here's a textbook, here's a bunch of formulas, remember it and then regurgitate it. Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. Hmm. I did not <laughs> relate yeah. to it all. Yeah, so. no, I completely agree. Hmm. Uh, yes, with you. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's probably <laughs> that's 30 good. seconds. So <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty more to say, but that's 30 seconds. <laughs> no, no, you've covered a, you've covered a lot uh, in that 30 seconds and I think we'll, we'll cover it throughout the, the whole episode. But... Um, can you, I suppose, uh, you know, start us off with, with how you came to be? You know, how did you, I suppose, get into engineering and a bit of your background? Sure. So engineering um, was never something that I considered or even really knew about as a career when I was growing up. So I grew up in a really tiny little country town in, in the middle of Queensland called Gainda. So 1,500 people, hmm. pretty small. Um, I remember even when I was a little kid, I would always, you know, loved, you know, going with my dad, to work or whatever he was doing and um, he would often go to this shed and it was called Haps Engineering Shed and I just remember walking in there one day when I was about eight years old and I like step inside and um, it's like super dirty and like really noisy and it smells weird <laughs> and it's just full of men and I was like <laughs> Haps Engineering H-A-P-S yeah so there was a guy called Pap well his nickname was Happy 
Oh yeah, oh, cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, awesome. So it's like a like a woodworking metal metal turning. Metal working. Metal yeah. working shop. So it was like all sorts of welding and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Awesome. Um, and I was, and so that's what I thought engineering was growing up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for me, I. Like, I never considered engineering. I always took my cues from TV shows. So I wanted mm. to be, uh, first of all, like a writer like Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I wanted to be like a CSI person. Yeah, or, right. Like, the CSI yeah. shows. And yeah, then yeah. I wanted to be a lawyer just like Ali McBeal. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about this. Yeah, 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 she yeah. was my hero. Yeah. <laughs> and look, honestly, it was mostly just like, her clothes and her shoes, but <laughs> <laughs> to inspire me. Um, and so that's what I thought I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. it was only just before starting uni that I took a short-term job and it happened to be with um, Tease uh, here in Brisbane. Oh, the mining company. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah. And um, I was just doing admin stuff mm-hmm. on that job um, and it was my first ever exposure to actual engineering. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And so I loved it so much. I, you know, I realized that it's all about creating solutions for people mm-hmm. and for communities that I decided to switch my degree and I studied yeah, engineering right. instead. So you were wow. already enrolled in a degree at that yeah. point? What, was it that was, all? It wasn't. It was actually a science degree at that oh, point. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And um, just to backtrack quickly, how did you, I mean, it might be hard to remember, how did you get that job at Tees and for, you know, a lot of undergrads and, and students uh, maybe you haven't even studied yet, um, uh, are looking in to get to opportunities like that. How did you, did you know someone? Did you write an amazing cover letter or did you knock on their door until they said yes? Like, no, how did that work? Honestly, for me, so I had been, um, after high school, I actually took a two-year gap year yeah. and went and travelled um, over in Europe and the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Like Unreal. Yeah, we both, yeah. I took three years okay. and he took one. So <laughs> we're advocates of, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely advocates of a gap year. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and while I was doing that, I was doing all sorts of different kind of temp work and mm-hmm. that sort of thing and um, got plenty of variety, a variety of different experiences. And then when I came back, I sort of, I had about three or four months, <clears throat> excuse me, three or four months before uni was due to start. And so I thought, well, I'll just temp again. Yeah. And so this was, it was just going in through a temporary, temp no agency. No way. Wow. Yeah. So like December, January, February, March, something like that, you've worked at Tease literally when you're about to start what, Bachelor of Science or something? Something. I don't even remember what it was. Proves our interest. Wow. That's amazing. And so obviously you had an amazing experience there at Tease. Um, what, what, as, I, as you sort of said, you love uh, creating solutions for mm-hmm. society. Um, what other things I suppose really attracted you to Tease and and then helped you uh, really change your mind into to doing engineering I suppose so I mean first of all it was that whole big picture thing about creating solutions but the other part that I really liked about what I saw was I mean there was you know there was very much like the logical problem solving type element but <clears throat> it was also because it was very much about working with people mm. um, which is something that you know when you mm. think about engineering so many people don't think of associated yeah, yeah they think of like maths and yeah. it's work. like accounting type yeah. thing Locking yeah exactly numbers, exactly yeah. punch your numbers every day yeah. yeah yeah which that actually isn't very attractive to me <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's attractive to any of us no yeah. that's yeah. right um so yeah you know so this the project that i was a part of it was the bogo road busway project mm-hmm. so um you know i liked the fact that it was you know it was a busway and so it was like okay, that's doing something good for the community and for the environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and you know the project management stuff I was really drawn to and yeah just like the whole people management side as well mm. and yeah, right. stakeholder yeah. Mm. yeah nice and so did you progress from like that admin role I think you sort of said and then or and then you got into more of a project management or was it well, all I, in the same thing yeah I actually so when I started uni I stopped that role okay. I actually started my degree at Griffith at the Gold Coast awesome um, where we studied so yeah yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, a bit of alumni in the room <laughs> yes I, yeah. I was only there for one year but I was there for a year what an incredible year it must have been <laughs> yeah. on the Gold Coast surfing in between yeah. lectures yeah. I know yeah. I was yeah. <laughs> Um, see, I wasn't a surfer, so I probably didn't make the most of my time there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I know I didn't. I think I went to the beach once. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> yeah. Country girl. Yeah, like, what right. is this yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a horse any day. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, yeah, I started at the Gold Coast, and then um, when I moved to Brisbane, um, I changed to QUT. Yep. And I chose that so that I could go shopping in my lunchtime. Yeah, garden yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well. a real, that's a real card. Yeah. yeah. Um, moved to QUT, and then at that point, I got a scholarship with the Port of Brisbane. And so, amazing. Yeah. Yep. So it was, and that was similarly. It was um, just all kind of you know chance encounters, and yep. because that one again, I wasn't looking for an engineering job. I was. I took a contract role over the, my first Christmas break and yep. it was just doing like contract administration work. And then at the end of that, they were like, hey, do you want a scholarship? At the Port of Brisbane? Yeah. Wow. Unreal. Yeah. And again, are these just, uh, sorry to interrupt you, is this yeah. just like a seek and it's got a, a temp admin job or, or temp yeah. contract administration job? at that job? time, I think seek wasn't such a thing. Um, <laughs> Come on. before the times of seek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... <laughs> The old newspaper. You gotta have the newspaper. Get on the phone. It was. Um. I mean, there are like temp agencies. I think you know, oh, like yeah, Kelly's yeah. and I don't. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So it was through one of those agencies that yeah. I found this. Yeah. I just wanted to ask as well. Like, um, I managed to get a scholarship during university as well, yeah. and for myself, I didn't have a GPA of six or so oh, or oh, anything oh. like that. No way. Um, and so I was, I was shocked when I got it type thing. And in fact, it was a civil engineering scholarship and I was a mechanical engineering student. Oh, wow. And I heard a statistic one day after getting it that like one in five scholarships don't even get used because people just don't even apply for them type thing. Yeah. Uh, cause there are so many scholarships out there that people don't apply for. Yeah. I don't know if you've kind of heard the same type of statistics or anything like that, but yeah. I was just overwhelmed and just yeah. implore people to go and apply for scholarships. I am because... not surprised at all mm. by that because you know, like I said, they, they said, do you want a scholarship? Yeah. And they were offering it because it would have gone unused. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and... and I think people don't, yeah, they don't realize they don't necessarily look for them, yep. and which I get because I wouldn't have known to look for it either. Yeah, that's right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't have known where to go for this scholarship unless it was advertised directly to my face type mm. thing, which it was in the lecture. Mm. And um, yeah, I just think it's such a massive opportunity. Like if you're listening right now, please get to um, whatever university you're at, go and ask for the scholarship department and go and apply for every single one because odds have it, you'll probably get one and what a leg up that must have been, hey? Absolutely, it just made my life so much easier. One, because I had this stable income Mm -hmm. because, you know, I could work for them as however much or however little I wanted. Oh, really? So it was like a contract type arrangement? Yeah, plus they gave a nice amount of money each year Mm -hmm. in addition to that. To pay your studies or was that for you to use? 
however I wanted really? to use it. Incredible. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's amazing. It was really generous. Yeah. Um, so that put me in a really nice position. And I had all of that fantastic experience yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually just went uh, down to the Port of Brisbane a couple of weeks back with uh-huh. um, one of our guests, Brody Chan, and he's working there at the moment right. as a maintenance engineer. Oh, wow. And he took us for a tour around the whole site, and it is just incredible what goes on there. It's and cool. the diverse range of engineering exactly. roles and yeah, project management. Exactly. There's so many different sorts of projects that they do. Yeah. Um, like, I remember when I was there, I got to work on all sorts of things like from, um, you know, there was like a bridge duplication. There was like this bridge oh, wow. and they had to yeah. replicate it right next to each other um, <laughs> yeah. just to increase the traffic flow um, through to the brand, the new port office, which mm-hmm. is no longer new probably, but at the it was time. Still it's still pretty nice and we still beautiful. Yeah. Still a really nice office. We recorded yeah. in there and it's, it's got an amazing view of the entire port. Yeah, it's amazing. Shipping oh. containers in there. Don't know how I got them in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I got to work on that. Um, wow. And through to like creek restorations, you know, so it was... So how's that? You're doing like pavement designs almost and bridges and then you go and do like architecture and almost like property yeah. development roles and yeah, yeah it's it just really so diverse. diverse. Yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. And I think one of the core reasons I, I love to continue this podcast is to help educate students on not only disciplines, but then the specializations and the subsects within those disciplines. And you yeah. might, until you actually have the job or you talk to a mentor or a colleague or something like that, will you actually understand that, you know, you could do pavements or you could, you know, like there's so many different types of engineering. Mm. I had very little idea about process engineering and, and pipes and fluids and gases and oils until I started working here at GHD. So a role like that at Port of Brisbane, you could be like, oh, I didn't even realize that civil engineers do this. Absolutely. I love that. Or, you know, actually, yeah, this is sort of cool, but I saw that guy doing the mechanical work and I actually now really want to do mechanical. So I think yeah. those undergraduate roles are so important, not only for the money, um, you know, but for the really the learning and help yeah. shape the direction of your career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, just as, you know, high school students or, you know, we probably had no idea what engineering was before we started studying. I feel like I still really didn't have that much of an idea until I started working. Yeah. Because um, sure. when you're at uni, it's like, you you know, you're learning the content, but how like how do you use this and, yeah, and in many absolutely. cases you don't yeah yeah and you have like this one hour lecture and then yeah. you've got like a weeks and long and months long assignment mm. you know but in in work you get a you get an rfq on a friday or a monday it's got to be out by the friday so these like intense short burst yeah. projects or you can have like a two or three year long ppp project you know like you've got so many different i suppose ways you can work mm. and you don't see them in, and that's one of the biggest gripes and again another reason for the podcast is to help educate people on on what you actually do in your real everyday role mm. because although obviously we ha- well, there is a place and we need that theoretical uh, understanding um i feel like tafe uh, and a lot of uh, technical colleges really do an amazing job in giving you those practical and soft skills mm-hmm. um yeah which is something we need i think more and more university absolutely that's yeah. actually something i've been working on um a lot lately with the university of melbourne so i'm mm-hmm. doing um work there contract work there and it's around it's on a program called the Innovation Practice Program, and it's for, um, I guess they're fourth year students. The Melbourne model is a little bit different, so mm-hmm. everyone who comes out comes out with a master's degree. Oh wow! So it's like Very three years and then two years masters. Yeah, um, it's so, a bit different. So they're first year master's students, but it's like a fourth year. Okay. Yeah. Normal student. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's it's this awesome program, um, and it's actually called Creating Engine Innovative Engineers, but so they work for a term, um, it's very closely with industry. So we have like 30 industry partners in the room at all times. 
and mm -hmm. um, so they work on an innovation project and like it's a it's a real one that the it, like the particular industry partner needs yeah. solved. Industry relevant project. Yeah. <clears throat> this is. Um, it's not made up. Because oh, we'll get onto it in a second that you have done your doctorate and all these type of things, but like um, my biggest uh, thing for me going through university is we're being taught by academics and things yeah. like that. And for me, I I think academics have their place and they're extremely relevant. And I got along very well and learned a lot from a lot of my lecturers. But the guys, uh, so we had one lecturer, for example, who you'll remember, maybe you might even remember, uh, Mark Bolton. Mm. Who, yeah, yep. and he's still there today. Uh -huh. um, geotech engineer, had worked like 30 years out in the industry, ran his own company, and for me, he was by far the best lecturer because he'd been there, done it, knew everything, and he wasn't kind of caught up too much in the theoretical stuff. Yeah. He was like, look, you do really need to know this. Um, you don't really need to know this. When you get mm. to site, you'll be required to know this, and just very real, very practical. Yeah. And for me, anyway, um, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I'd be interested to get your opinion. Um, I feel like we need engineering to be almost more of a, an apprenticeship, not completely, but it's more people from industry who are coming in and sharing kind of exactly what it is like out on site. Cause I feel like there's still a massive disconnect between graduating from university and getting into your first job and going, I just learned all of my maths and my <coughs> physics or whatever it was. And now I'm in my job and I'm like, oh crap, like mm. I didn't really expect this to happen. And I, I used to see it out on site all the time, like the CPVs, the land leases, and the poor kids are getting there on their like, they're six months in still and they're already gone, oh crap, I have no idea how this works. Mm -hmm. And it is such a steep learning curve and I don't feel like it should have to be that steep. No, that's um, right. Yeah. No, no, I think um, how we educate engineers um, needs to change. Mm -hmm. And there are some universities who are really like taking this on and tackling this. Um, yep. Swinburne is a really awesome example because um, I love what they're doing. They actually treat all of their engineering students. They're not called students, they're called associates. Yeah. Um, and they're treated as professionals from the beginning of their degree all the way through. I love it, yeah. And they learn through, like 100% through real world projects. Yeah. So good, yeah. Because I think, I think, like the maths and all that, it has its place and it definitely does. But I think once you pass second year and getting into third and fourth and like towards the end of your degree, you really need to be getting out into industry. Uh, we were at a networking event last night and I was talking with one of the guys and he's having a really tough time. He's six months out of uni and he wants to go and get a job, but he's got no experience. And for him going through, he's being like told by the universities, get a good GPA, like work on your grades and things like that. But what he didn't realize is what he needed to be doing was being out on site, like he wants to do civil engineering project work. And for him to go out six months now to go and get a job like on like a big Lenly site or something like that, it's nearly impossible because he has no experience out on site. And it's not like he's gonna go and do his free work experience now type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so if universities can really encourage that more, I think that's almost like a really good step um, towards solving the problem, like yeah. you're saying that. So yeah, no, that's great. But um, please tell us about why you chose to go and do your PhD. Um, because to me, that sounds like madness. I would yeah, never stay at you. That's in what I university. thought too. Yeah. <laughs> how did you transfer? How did you, you know, translate from finishing civil degree uh, and then continued on and, as I said, got into your, your PhD? And I suppose that that segue or that section of your career, you know, finishing your degree and, and continuing on. Hmm. So I never planned to do a PhD. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever doing a page. <laughs> That's what I said. That makes me shake. <laughs> so, so um, waiting you in with a master's first. Got the <laughs> well, no, I actually didn't do a master's. Oh, not at all. Yeah, okay. All right. um, thankfully, I just scraped a um, like a H one 
Just got a HD. I mean, <laughs> I like literally just. Oh, it was six point zero zero. Yeah, right. <laughs> big respect. I love when big people respect. are like, "Oh, I didn't even try, and I just got it in HD." It was like, that oh. wasn't the case for me. I had to. I went in like because I think it ended up in like five point nine eight, and so with, oh, wait, in wait, my wait. last exam, so I went and talked to one of my lecturers, and I was like, "Please, just one more mark." <laughs> <laughs> I need this. I need this. I my self esteem. My self esteem. <laughs> Please, mate. That's what I was doing it for at the time, but it actually did pay off. It actually did pay off when I actually went and did the PhD because had I not had that that H1, I would have I would have had, have had to do a master's. master's. Yeah, because engineering is an honours degree for anyone listening yeah. that's not aware. But uh, as an honours degree, if you have a high enough GPA and your research topics or your your papers, your assignments are of a high enough standard, you can actually apply to go straight to PhD. That's right. You? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, but if, if I had that 5.99, I could <laughs> <laughs> um, But also... It Fight for every mark, kids. <laughs> Message to you today. Fight for every mark. <laughs> um, but it also allowed me to get a scholarship that I wouldn't have ineligible for otherwise um, yep. which Unreal. is like I didn't work through my PhD because wow. I had a scholarship yep. wow <laughs> that's amazing and and so what was the PhD in um so it was in innovation in the Australian water sector mm-hmm. um but like I said I didn't plan to so how I actually got onto that track was I was working at the port of Brisbane and that was fine um I was starting to get a little bit disillusioned with mm-hmm. the profession because um many of the people that I was working with were excellent um but I would, on occasion, hear things like, oh, we just, like, you know, I'd ask questions about, oh, where do we, why do we do things this way, you know, how come? Mm. Just questioning, being curious. Um, exactly. And I'd hear comments like, oh, we do, we just, this is where it's always been done. And if it like, ain't broke, don't like, fix not, it. Yeah, that's right. And I was yep. like, ugh, gross. Sounds very Australian. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, I thought, oh, like, I don't know if that's what I, if this is what engineering is, I don't know if that's what I really It's not very want. inspiring, is no, it? No, it's not inspiring at all. Yeah. Um, and... So I thought, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Yeah. And I decided I was going to quit the profession. Yeah. And I was talking wow. with a guy who was a mentor. Um, and Engi- engineering mentor, sorry? Or just he, a mentor in general? Yeah, I mean, he, he's an engineer, but... Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, just general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and he was like, well, first of all, if you don't like it, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Great, great question. <laughs> well, I can't do anything about it. I'm a little first year grad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, well, I mean, if they're not being innovative enough or they're not being mm-hmm. curious enough or they're not being questioning enough, how can you change that? I was like, again, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. I can't. Um, but then he's the one who said, hey, we do have... So, He's very much an industry person, but he was um, adjunct professor at QUT, uh, working on a program um, that actually had a whole bunch of PhD students and like sort of industry-related mm. projects. And he said, "We have this opportunity. We've got this scholarship. If you're interested, you could um, do a PhD and do it around something." that's kind of related to what you want to change wow. in yeah, the yeah. field. Yeah, yeah, unreal. Um, and when he first said that, that, I was like, absolutely not. I finished <laughs> university, I'm not going back. Shut your especially, lips. Especially, <laughs> especially one year out, you're like, no, no, I haven't even had my hex set off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've still got forty grand shopping with. Yeah, I've still got forty grand worth of hex debt, and I'm yeah. spending every single paycheck I get. Don't yeah. even talk to me about going back and living off three hundred dollars a week. Exactly. No. Yeah. Um, so, but I took it, you know, I took it on board, and um, 
went away for a while and didn't really think about it. But then I, I think I just woke up one day and I was like, why not? I'll give okay. it a go. Yeah, if right. I don't like it, I'll quit. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So, it's the worst that could happen. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I gave it a go. Um, I didn't like it, but I decided actually there were better th- I, there were better ways to deal with it than to quit. Um, yeah. So I did finish it. Yeah, um, unreal. And there were parts of it that I really enjoyed, but I really, the part that I enjoyed the most was how much freedom it gave me. Yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. The university, I think, timeline, you know, uh, schedule for the week is, is one of the things I love the most as right. well as being able to go to an early class here and then have a break here and all these sort of things mm. um yeah I mean, and this is even there is there are no classes no deadlines yeah. no boss PhD, no nothing it's very it's 100 very fluid you. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah so how many years is it um between three and five so, so it can vary depending on your project or what you're working yeah, on yeah. okay all right and um, so you said you were doing innovative water solutions for Australia? Yeah, so I was looking um, innovation in the Australian water sector. I wasn't mm-hmm. looking so much at the kind of the technical innovations or solutions. Okay. I was looking more at um, how do we allow for innovation to arise in a sector that's traditionally been quite conservative. Ah, so exactly what you were just talking about. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Amazing. <laughs> you did say Well, that. that's yeah. why you jumped back into it. Yeah, I like yeah, it. That's right. I love it. So... How does innovation arise? What, what were your findings at the end? I talking about my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Just briefly. Because yeah. um, I'd love to know. I'd love to do that with concrete and a few other yeah. things. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there are a couple of things. So, I, what I, when I found, when I like, got all of my findings together, it made sense to actually group them into kind of inter- internal factors and external factors. Yep. And so that's internal, like the innovators themselves and cultural stuff within the organizations and the sector more broadly and then external factors which is kind of like community acceptance and mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. so I know in water that community acceptance had a really big impact because um, you know that there's been a number of pro- large projects where um, the community have sort of got really up in arms for instance in southeast Queensland a number of years ago that um, there was a trial um around recycled drinking water yeah. and um the community essentially like, yeah. shut that down yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so um in situations like that um community acceptance actually has a really massive impact and yeah um and it actually because of the fear of uh rejection it actually kind of hindered a whole bunch of innovation right um, for sure because companies didn't yeah, right. okay. yeah. Yep. and I suppose moving out of moving out of your PhD what were you know how did you like that I suppose that period of your life and then what did you go on to do after that I mean did you continue in the water sector mm-hmm. um, and, and utilize your degree your PhD directly um, or you know did you end up you know changing uh, changing gears completely again like how do you sort of I suppose you know progress after that yeah I don't think I've ever I'm just thinking that I don't think at any point in my career have I used what I've done directly before. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) There's hope for us, Ryan. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, if if I think if you're looking at my career um, without understanding the context behind my choices, Mm. it would just look completely disjointed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There is there is no chronological ladder sort of. It's it's all over the shop, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But to give you some context, while I was doing the PhD, um, I started first of all a non-profit called Power of Engineering, which I mentioned at the top of the Mm. um, conversation. 
and um, and then a company called Mackinum or Maths in Real Life. Yeah. And so during what, the PhD as well, sorry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. A girl. <laughs> oh, People say that, but not really. No? I just wasn't really focusing on my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down on the pretend engineers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and, uh, and so to start with the power of engineering, though, it's, it's got a pretty big name in, in Brisbane. I'm not obviously sure it's, it's in, in Sydney and Melbourne and things as well. What, uh, what you know, I suppose inspired you to create that and, and, and what have you been able to achieve and what have you loved with, uh, you know, the power of engineering? Oh, Yeah. So what inspired us to create, so I've co-created Power of Engineering with uh, my awesome friend and business partner and co-founder Felicity Fury. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sounds so like a superhero or something like that. It Felicity Fury, it's, Marvel are going to jump on that. Yeah, it's definitely a superhero <laughs> And she's a very powerful woman too. I bet she is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's your friend. I, yeah. <laughs> Um, so we, it was really funny, um, it was not long after graduating university and, um, I was hearing, you know, people were saying, oh, do you know Felicity? Do you know Felicity? And I was like, no. And like, people kept saying it and like, I just remember there was this like one particular week when I had like four people say, do you know Felicity? And I was like, who the hell? Who the heck is um, and then I went to an event, I think it was a Young Engineers event, Yeah, right. um, and she was there as well, and we finally met, yeah, right. so I was like, oh, you are Felicity, we need to meet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and she'd been getting the same thing, she's like, with no, the no. do you know Jillian? <laughs> so it was like, we were somehow destined Soul to, sisters. to meet and become friends, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but it was really... I just, it was so awesome meeting her because um, leading up to that point, I'd been really frustrated, as I kind of described before, um, becoming a little bit disillusioned. I was like, engineering can be really creative, but people don't seem to get that. And when I say that to people, they're like, what are you talking about? And because this was like 10, 11 years ago, and the conversation has shifted now, thankfully. Um, But at the time, people were like, oh no, we need more technical skills. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So I I'd go home to my um, partner at the time, my husband now, thank you. and like after networking events and I'd be like, ah, oh, why doesn't anyone get this? Why yeah, don't they yeah. understand? And he's like, I, again, he was like, what are you going to do about it? Uh, <laughs> you people. <laughs> is, is he an engineer or from that type of background? So or? his background, he's actually from Portugal. Um, okay. His background's originally like software. Oh, I guess okay. we'd call it software engineering here. So we could kind of sympathize, I suppose, a little bit. I, I yeah. imagine it'd be quite similar in yeah. software. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't, he now works in very much in like human centered stuff and okay. user experience. So yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he oh, well, that is quite creative. I imagine. Yeah. UX designers. Yeah. Like these interfaces yeah. Like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, but so he was like, what are you going to do about <laughs> it? I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then I went to this event and I met Felicity and like I was saying this stuff. We're going to do about it. Yeah, I was saying this stuff and she was like, oh my God, I totally agree. I was like, oh, somebody agrees with me. Oh my gosh. Soul sister, I finally found you. Yes. It's 25 years, but I finally found you. Unreal. Because she'd been having the same thoughts. And and so like when we finally met and found each other, it's like, ah. Yeah. Um, So that was really special. And so she had actually run the first Power of Engineering event at this time. And it was only meant to be a one-off event. And so she ran it with uh, QUT, mm-hmm. um, which, so we both went to QUT different years though. Yep. 
Um, and yeah, so she ran that and then we met and we're like, why don't we do more? This <laughs> is <laughs> an awesome idea. Let's go. Yeah. And what did she, what did she study? What did Felicity study? So she study? studied civil engineering as, as well. well. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. And so we're like, you know what? Let's just throw a hat over the wall and let's say we're just going to do 10 events this year. And like, wow. We... <laughs> so good. I mean, coming from Young Engineers Australia, Queensland, that's, we do six main flagship events every year. Uh, 10 is a lot. That's... Yeah, we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> we had no money, no... We had, like, absolutely nothing. So, yeah, 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 basically yeah. nothing. Like, let's do 10 events all around Queensland. Um, Crazy. And we did. So wow, we, you actually nailed it. You yeah, did 10 events did in the one year. We did it. You're crazy. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how we did it. Yeah. But um, it, was, it was incredible because we did, we must have done a couple of Brisbane, but we also did events in like Cairns, Mount Isa, oh, Townsville. Good. And you had no money when you started. Nothing. And so what, are you getting, uh, uh, like people sponsor you to fly up there or are you just like We didn't even hitchhiking? go to most of them. We oh, just, really? We just rec- like got volunteers on board from the local areas and we're like hey here's kind of the format this is how we do it feel free to make it your own yeah. and so uh, yeah at this early stage we were, we were just like ah. imploring yeah. and like, empowering people to create a network that's, that's what we were yeah that's amazing. So we were like how do we empower other people to, yeah, to yeah. create this yeah um and it was yeah it was amazing in that and we were like at the end of the year we we're like how do we do that and we're yeah. also like hey maybe we should like turn this into some kind of actual organization or something we didn't yeah. have a bank account or anything yeah right we're like maybe we should find out how you do that yeah right. <laughs> um so we did we turned it into an organization um and it was interesting because so that first year was like so fun and like amazing and then i think we started taking it more seriously and we're like yeah. we need to make a committee and we need to do all this and we kind of took our cues because we'd both been very involved in Engineers Australia, which is a very different sort of organization. Mm. But we'd kind of tried to replicate that model in mm. what we were doing and it didn't really work. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was very, it's much more of like a top-down kind of model mm. and yep. um, a lot of systems and procedures and things like that. And we were much more like a startup type yep. um, thing. Organized chaos sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah, and so we grew very, very quickly in terms of the number of people involved, but we didn't really know what people were supposed to be doing, and Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it. it, Roles and titles weren't didn't really matter. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Fantastic. Um. So, but yeah, it wasn't working so well. So we went through like over the first few years, we very much went on like a peaks and valley type journey. Mm. Um. So you know, first year was very much a high, and then the next year it was kind of like the hell are we doing how do we make this work like we've got all these people we don't know how to use them they're not engaged because we're not empowering them like Mm. they don't know what they're supposed to be doing we Mm. don't know what they're supposed to be doing Mm. and um so in that second year you know then it shrunk down again and you know we lost a lot of people because we didn't know what we're doing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, hurting cats yeah and then so from there we kind of well, it was actually probually in the third year when it actually, like we were sort of, you know, doing bits and pieces. One year we did six events for the entire year. Mm. Um, and then in about year three, we got back to, it was 
Felicity, myself, and one other person. Then the other per- other person went over um, to Oxford, and she mm-hmm. was studying over there. So it was oh, just wow. Felicity and I. Yeah, I'm wow. Like, okay, our sisters back together. What are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we gonna shut this down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are we gonna recreate it? Um, yeah, and yeah. we were we didn't know. Like we were very seriously considering shutting it down because it's like what like why are we doing work. this? Yeah. Mm. It's a lot of times, a lot of effort. You know, like it's sometimes something we've learned we, in recent weeks. We've definitely yeah. struggled yeah. sometimes. Like when I was in Melbourne for six, seven months on Sacomen, yeah. we were struggling to do video interviews and, and we're actually going to re-interview Darren soon but we had an yeah. amazing interview with Darren on the phone and we literally Jack and I were buzzing once we finished the episode yeah. and then you know the next day or something like that we checked the recording and for some reason or another half the recording was just mute was just like didn't exist and that was a really low yeah. point for us and you're just yeah. like this is a non-for-profit bit of a fun organization that started as a hobby and it's really great but you know we're not getting the returns and you're demotivated and it's hard yeah I think it's all about consistency is one thing that I've learned like with us like yes we've had our highs like when it just started like you said and we've had our lows coming through and now we're kind of coming back up a little bit and I'm sure we'll have another low coming soon but like we've just kept at it like the whole way and what I'm hearing from you with what you've done as well like that's three years that you've kept at it and even if you did do six events you were still there you still had a presence in the market of um, this event kind of space and yeah, I think that's the most important thing to be just consistently doing it yeah. and working on it all the time. And yeah. Would you say that's kind of how you're able to pick it up so easily because you're always there? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, certainly the consistency. Like we, yeah, we did, we were like, well, this is what we're committing to and this is what yeah, we're doing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, I think a no for me and, you know, Felicity and I talk about this, like just having that other person as well I was yeah. makes yeah. such a difference. To oh, yeah. hold each other accountable. Yeah. I think it's really key. Oh boy, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To hold each other accountable mm. for sure, mm. um, but also, you know, many times one of us will be kind of up and one of us will be down. And yeah, so, yeah I was just about to say that. You know, yeah. kind of pull each it's other. It's crazy up. how that happens. Actually, mm. we are literally just like on a, a seesaw. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's Jack, funny, Jack's yeah. just really been struggling the last six or nearly eight weeks now. It's really been quite a while with glandular fever. Oh. Yeah, and yeah. you know, what I mean? fantastic fun. <laughs> yeah, but what I said to him as well is like we have the benefit of not being one podcast co-host so uh, you know host so we can have you know struggles and and successes so if i have to do an episode by myself i'd rather that than to make you finish work early and and, or like you know cancel that dinner date with your girlfriend or something like that we have that benefit so you have the partners to balance on each other and if one's struggling or has got commitments to work or something like that the other one can do the heavy lifting. It's funny because a lot of people argue against partnerships these days. I hear a lot of people anyway in my close network saying, don't go into a partnership, you'll regret it, like it'll end in tears and all these things. But if you can make a partnership work, yeah. it, I, I personally believe that it's one of the most powerful things you can have in business. I agree. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's all about making it work. And that comes down to like the, yeah. you've got to be super authentic with each yeah. other. Oh, we get pretty authentic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as well, I think that the thing, and I know you're a massive advocate of as well, is that, when you've got uh, many hands make light work, which is great, but it's also the 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 creation and I suppose the, the different perspectives that can improve it. You know, like yeah. you, the diversity in thought process and mm-hmm. operation, things can be optimized, you know, become more creative and, and I suppose uh, more multifaceted in the way that you can actually attack a problem or create a solution because mm-hmm. you've got many minds thinking on the same problem. Absolutely. Which I think is a massive benefit yeah, as well. absolutely. And that's something that we certainly find, like... Um, it's funny if you, I mean, if, depending on the, um, the perspective, how, like whether it's very big picture or very, um, narrow focus that you're looking at, Felicity and I can be very, very similar or very, very different. Um, 
So if you're zoomed right in, for example, um, there are a lot of differences in terms of how we approach things and how we think. Mm. Um, but mm. probably like one level out, we're like, oh, two white women, same age, <laughs> yeah. both civil engineers, like we're identical people from here to the same time. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah. We might have to get her on the podcast. She sounds like a powerful woman. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. And so uh, continuing from, from, I suppose, power of engineering, um, how did you get into Mackinum and, and how does it work and, and why did you create it? What was the, the reason and the cause and can you run us all through Mackinum? Sure. So basically we'd been doing power of engineering for a number of years at this point. Yep. Um, and both Felicity and I were like, okay, this is awesome. We're loving seeing the impact that we're creating. So mm. you know, that was really fantastic. We measure everything being engineers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so loving that. Um, but it's a lot of work and how yeah. do we do this in a way that is sustainable both for us personally and in terms of like a business mm-hmm. and so that's something that we're really interested in and we we explored a lot of things where um, you know one thing was we explored do we monetize power of engineering um, mm. so that we can make a living off that yeah yeah um, but ultimately we we wanted to keep that um, you know just free we wanted to make sure it was ec- like accessible to yep. you know all schools um, and all of that so we decided that the model was really working so we had quite a few partners at that point and um, it was like, like committee part like membership partners or sponsors 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 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so our, we call them our industry partners but yeah they're, they're yeah. sponsors yeah they, yeah fantastic like and I think it's so important as well. Funding. Yeah, because um, similar to the podcast, we, I suppose, Jack and I, um, really want to uh, try and keep the, the holistic nature of the podcast non for profit because most of our market and the largest section of our market are students. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, yeah, we'd love and we've been offered sponsorship and things like that. So that's something we'll definitely, uh, you know, continue to consider. But um, I think being able to make this information and, and similar to the information and, and I suppose the sharing of knowledge through power of engineering is very similar with the podcast and that um, we want it to be freely accessible to everyone mm. you know what i mean and and, and to make to in, to increase our diversity in engineering uh, i think we need and in stem in general i think we need to make the information and the knowledge available to everyone not just a, a select few that can maybe afford it yeah you know what i mean so i think that's that really benefits and, and, and increases that diversity uh, i think um when you can actually keep it free and, and keep it easily accessible to everyone yeah. so Exactly. Yeah, mm. I like it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we knew that we wanted to do something in the space, but we didn't know exactly what. And at the time, Felicity was working at ACOM, and um, there was another woman in her team named Claire. And Felicity and Claire were talking, and it was actually Claire who was like, why don't you do, like, I don't know, a textbook or something? And um, shortly after, Claire, um, Felicity introduced Claire and myself, and so we all sort of got to know each other. Um, and we essentially became the team behind Mackinum and so we started with this concept of like a maths textbook but teaching maths through real world concepts and real world scenarios um we were kind of like it would be so easy like (laughs) we're engineers we use maths in the real world all the time it's gonna be amazingly easy to make this textbook um of course we decided very quickly to do it digitally and online and make it interactive so it's not like a paper-based book um but yeah, we were very, very wrong about how easy it was going to be. How, how long did it take you to get the first kind of concepts and developments? Like, I think it was about three years to get the first wow. 
right? Like that, year nine, fully, like full year nine suite, yeah. That's incredible because one of the things, like you hear about people making these businesses all the time and they're incredible and it's like, wow, like I can't believe you did that. But like you don't really hear about that three years that you spent <laughs> and like were you still doing your PhD then or did you have to work in a cafe to support yourself? Like, yeah, so to start with I was still doing my PhD yeah. and then um, when I finished I spent a bit over a year working on Mackinum full time right. and I wasn't working aside from that. Just on savings. <clears throat> yeah, and thankfully my partner was yep. very generous yeah, and yeah. supportive. Yeah. Um, I'll have to let my girlfriend know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we figure it's like one time in one time in our life like he'll be supporting me, other times I'll be supporting him, yeah, like yeah. it all ebbs and flows. Yeah. And, so yeah, um, I spent about a year or so, and then um, we actually got investment. Oh about wow! Yeah, maybe two and a half years in or something. Were you actively hustling to get that kind of investment, or that kind of just came? No, naturally? it actually it was it was very natural, um, and it was quite a surprise for yep. us. So we um, Felicity and I had established a, a relationship with. Um, uh, an amazing woman um, named Catherine Tanner, and uh -huh. she's the managing director of Energy Australia. Oh, wow. So yeah. um, we met her when we first started Power of Engineering, and mm. um, so she's awesome. She's, I would call her a sponsor. Um, okay. So, you know, she's yeah. somebody who's like, who do you need introductions to? Because she, the vision she, she, yeah, she knows, you know, all the CEOs. And, yeah. and so we basically, we've been meeting with her about like once every year since we started uh, Power of Engineering. Real. And so at every meeting, it's like, here's what we've been up to. Here's what we're up to next. Yeah. And she's like, hey, you know, do you want an introduction to this person? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's incredible. She's, yeah, really amazing. That's, I love that style of yep. kind of, you know, supporting yep. people. I feel like Rory will be that man come 20 years. This guy will not shut up when he's in the lift, when he's having a coffee, when he's walking down the street. He's meeting every single CEO there is in town. And, and, and I, I suppose just you just reminded me when you when you suppose both talked, we had this amazing UQ uh, Power in Your Head event uh, yesterday um, that obviously Gillian was a keynote speaker. And I was talking to a really great guy, Laurie, and... and I just really blurted out this thing and I was like, yeah, actually, that's, that's really good. That's really, it's funny when you say things like this. But I said to him, I was like, I, <laughs> I never want to or never expect to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. But one strength I have is if I can get someone from this side of the room and someone from this side of the room and get them together and then they create the smartest room, they, they become the smartest person or they create the, the smartest idea in the room, then that's the role I want to take. And I think that's so important. You know, you don't always have to, it's not tall poppy syndrome where I have to be, you know, the best or I have to be the smartest. But if I can help facilitate just by introducing two people, um, and I've just done that recently through uh, the podcast and the Third Thursday Club, um, had two guys, Alistair and George, um, both engineering and, and, and finance uh, students, double degrees from UQ, um, and just getting them together. And, and who knows if they end up starting their own business or whatever, you know, take over the world. But I think just connecting people is so uh, important. Uh, to be able to facilitate and, and you know just like yourself with power of engineering and then Mackinnon was just two fiercely passionate uh, you know it, you know really enthusiastic women getting together and creating these amazing companies yeah. so I think that's that's some connecting really, with the right people like you're saying yeah, yeah. and that's I think that's a really under uh, underappreciated skill set oh and, yeah and service. engineering yeah, yeah. absolutely mm. yeah it's 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 one that's not valued highly enough yeah absolutely um, but anyway Kath um, yeah, so amazing woman and we, I think we'd been working on Mackinnon for two years and then we went and saw her and she was like, oh, I'll introduce you to my mate Andy. Um, we went, so they went to school together up in yep. Gladstone. Yep. Um, 
And um, yeah, she said, I think it might be something he's interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, he's in Brizzy, go up and meet him, have a chat. Yeah, right. And then, so I didn't go, because with these things, you, you have so many conversations with people and like yeah, the, yeah. everyone just wants to give you advice. There's a lot of talk that goes on. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so I was like, look, I'm not going to go up. You guys just, Claire was living here at the time. So I was like, you guys just go and have that conversation. Let me know how it goes. Nice. Um, and they called me like after the thing and they were like, oh my God. We just got investment. And I was like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? What? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like screaming. And I was like, what is going on? And they're like, he just offered us money. Like, a lot of money. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? The first meeting I don't go to and you get offered money? What? <laughs> yeah. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they like just shared what we're doing and what our vision is. He was like, I love that. Yeah. I want to be a part of it. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so so I mean he he is an investor. Um, he he's got about oh, twenty or thirty companies on his books. Wow! Actually. Wow! Um, so like an angel investor, mm -hmm. like philanthropist. Yeah, amazing. He's an angel investor. Um, yeah. He intends to get money back. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's an investment, but but really for amazing causes, just getting them off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that was it. Was really unexpected, and it all came through Kath. And um, when we told wow. her, she was like. I wasn't introducing you so that he could invest. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. He, he was just taken with um, what we're trying to so do. So good. So um, where is it now? Like um, moving on to today and present, mm -hmm. what, what's happening? So um, what's happening now is none of us are working in it full time anymore. Okay. Um, we spent a couple of years really focusing on trying to um, kind of get into the school sales cycles, yeah. um, not realizing how hard that was, sure. not realizing realizing how long the school sales cycle. Just takes. a really tough barrier to entry, or yeah, yeah. and and it's well, I mean, tough barrier to entry, but also it's an extremely long cycle. So okay. most of the like large school sales that we've done have taken. 18 months to two years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Really That's long lead items. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't think, we're like, three months will do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. exactly. But once they're sorted, is it a subscription type service? So once they're yeah. sorted, done. It's pretty hands off, yeah. Fantastic. That's quite good. Yeah. Cool. yeah, okay. Yeah, it's All just right. getting it over the line. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. so the past few months, we've actually been doing an experiment. Um, you know, we've got some consultants on board. Um, who've been doing a bunch of work for us uh, focusing on the direct to parent market yeah. um, so that's been much more through like internet marketing and yeah. um, social media type stuff which yeah. has been really great and definitely a learning experience because I really knew nothing about that yeah, before sure. so it's been yeah, yeah. learning from them so yeah. a lot of like students that maybe learn uh, in regional and rural areas and well, things like yeah, this where it's or even, even in like I know in metro areas there are a lot of, a lot of parents who um they will just buy their kids any everything yeah. they just want their kids and and money isn't a, a barrier for some people yeah yeah um so that's certainly one market okay uh, that we're looking yep. at, yeah 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 fantastic are these kids that are you know doing additional study on top of their on, on top of so if they're you know very like stem focused for example then they're doing additional work on top of their normal school curriculum yeah yeah yeah, it's funny, um, I don't know if you used, it might have been a bit before your time when you went through university, but um, I was always on Khan Academy, it was called. Yeah. And Bill Gates, I'm pretty sure, has since invested. And yeah. um, mm -hmm. I forget how much, but he bought them out for millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And the guy literally was just so passionate about engineering and maths and would just put it up. 
And um, thank you, Khan Academy, because yeah. you got me through university. That's awesome. Just up there for free, following it. And I think it's like a little bit more senior, like the really hardcore physics and maths and stuff. But like that kind of stuff to be able to access and yeah. share that is just such a gift. And mm. yeah, for me, that definitely gifted me my university degree. Mm. Um, and to make it accessible to more and more people, like you're saying, is just such a win, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And um, I suppose moving on from from Macadam, um, how it's, I, I suppose you're still part of it now, but how does what does your day look like now? What does your career look like now? I mean, you're you're not doing I suppose direct engineering consulting anymore, and mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people that are quite entrepreneurially minded or or you know almost have like an ADD where they love to be doing different things all the time. Yeah. Um, what has the last year, two years, or you know, the last significant period after your direct involvement with Macadam? What does that look like now? And um, how do you still, I suppose, use your engineering degree and your engineering mindset in all of the work you do at Melbourne Uni? Um, I know, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll mention that you obviously work with Adelaide Crows Football Club. So how does how does your life look now? Um, it's so it's the type of career that I really enjoy. It might make a lot of people uncomfortable. I don't have a full time job. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> it's a jungle gym. It's crazy. I love that. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I do a lot of different things, like at any one time. Yeah. Um, so in my like, in my week, I might spend you know a day out at Melbourne Uni, and then I work from home a lot, or I'll work from cafes a lot, um, yeah. just doing whatever it is that I'm working on at the time. So I've been doing a fair bit of speaking this month. So uh, you know, a lot of focus has been on like writing these talks and figuring out yeah. what it's what to say. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, so spend a lot of time just in cafes doing that stuff. Yeah, um, and other times I do a bit of consulting. Um, uh, so I've done a little bit with Swinburne University, yeah. uh, writing some of their credentials for this engineering practice academy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, again, that's something I do, you know, kind of when I want and where I want. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think my life looks like very uh, non um, non-scheduled <laughs> and, uh, it's very, very, um, flexible. Um, but it's ideal because yeah, it's very much like I work when I want, where yeah. I want. Um, but it's, there's, I guess there's like a lot of, um, you know, a lot that's gone into that to kind of get to this point. Like it's oh, yeah, so yeah. much sacrifice. Yeah. Like yeah. I haven't just been able to start. Well, like I've been doing this for a long time. I just haven't been earning money doing this for a long time. <laughs> yeah, as like I said before, it's those three years that you're developing and mm. getting those things out, and you're not getting paid during that. Yeah, like, that's, that's right. A, that's a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are kind of getting towards the end of the episode, and you did um, have some amazing points that you gave to us before the episode. Mm. We'd love to just kind of run through them with you before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. Just so, I suppose some some key takeaways or some some really I suppose. Uh, defining principles that have helped you, you know, create and build your career and mm. the life you live now, I suppose. Yeah, so this is actually something that I've been reflecting on recently. Um, and this is why I sent these points through to you because it is, you know, it has been top of mind, I guess. Um, mm. So, and it came from uh, a situation that I found myself in a couple of months ago. So, um, I was... I was, I was, it, it's kind of really weird. To, I'm like, how do I say this? Um, <laughs> just blurt it out. We won't judge. Blurt it out. 
So there I was. I was like up in the sky. So there I was. Like, whenever it starts, like you are some, you are Wonder Woman, aren't you? You are Superwoman. So you're just flying like thirty thousand feet up. I'm up in the sky. Right, we'll stop. Carrying on. Yeah, we'll stop believing now. Um, up in the sky, and um, I'm in a plane, and it's actually a jet plane. It's a fighter jet. And there, we're circling around my hometown that I grew up in, yeah. um, the tiny little town of Gamda. And um, um, so it's actually not just me, there's, there's two. So we're in tandem. We've got these two fighter jets circling my hometown. Unreal. And like, I'm like, oh, there's the main street, and oh, there's my old school, and <laughs> oh, there's the house I grew up in. Oh. Um, yeah, it was pretty surreal. And I was just like, this is amazing. How did I get here? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we come in and then we like come into land and um, it was amazing. So what we ended up doing was um, basically there's this amazing guy, Steve, and he's got a mate also called Steve. And so this one, Steve one uh, owns <laughs> these two fighter jets and he reached out. What? Yeah. Owns fighter jets. It's yeah. the dream. That's yeah. amazing. He's an engineer as well, by the way. Oh, I bet he is. All the, all, all the top people in the world. Who else would buy fighter jets? Amazing. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, he owns these fighter jets and he reached out to Felicity and myself uh, towards the end of last year and said, hey, I've got this awesome idea. Um, I want to make this TV show and basically I want cool women in STEM um, and we'll fly the fighter jets around to places in Australia. And oh, you'll get what? To- yeah, and you'll get to report on like so really interesting science stories. And through this all, we'll so Steve and so the Same other Steve, Steve was like the, the head of the roulettes, um, so a very, very experienced oh, okay. pilot. Yeah, um, so they'll teach us to fly. Um, what <laughs> you've got, you've got great friends, eh? You didn't introduce <laughs> some of these cool friends. We like, thought we were good networkers, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought time. I had a pretty cool network, yeah. but none of my mates have jet planes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel so inadequate. So you were so inadequate, right? Now. Jet I wasn't flying. <laughs> well, um, we, like they would let For us like bit. control yeah, it, yeah. but we weren't flying. Right? Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is what we're working on, basically. Yeah. Um, but then this opportunity came up because as soon as he, you know, we, I started chatting with him about it, I was like, oh, it'd be amazing to go to Gainda with the Jets. But I, I didn't say that to him. I was just thinking it. And then one, it. yeah, madam, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the law of attraction. That's yeah. right. Because one day he called me up and he's like, hey, I just got this invitation to do like an air show in Toowoomba. Um, and it's like, and it's great because it means that they'll pay for the fuel to get the Jets there and everything. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, you know what's near Toowoomba? No yeah. way. Gainda. You're no kidding. Way. And I was like, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Where you go? <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah. And oh so so basically, um, we we took the opportunity while the Jets were in Queensland to head out to Gainda. Um, we landed, we got all the schools out, um, all the community community came out and we like did a bit of a show and you know Yeah. A talk for everyone, met everyone, Amazing. and then a bit of an air show as well with wow. the Jets. Amazing. Um, and it was insane, but it got me thinking, like, how did my life get here? Yeah. <laughs> um, Does your family still live there? Mm. Yeah. So they all came out yeah. and saw you Unreal. getting out of a jet plane. And went, oh. I've got the best photos. <laughs> no, I was like, I did the whole, you know, remove the helmet and like shake out the hair. <laughs> the aviators. Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Hello, get that. Right. yeah. Good morning. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so and 
but anyway, the point of that is that it got me thinking about like this whole concept of a curiosity-led career and yeah. like um, just how kind of following my curiosity and making decisions based on that has led me to places that not only did I not dream of, like I didn't even know that there could be dreams. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there was um, just, I guess, a couple of points around that was um, this whole concept, you know, I think a lot of people these days have heard of Sheryl Sandberg, mm. um, the, of course, this amazing COO of Facebook. And yeah. um, when she put a book out a few years ago, this whole concept of a jungle gym career yeah. took off. And I think it really took off because it resonated with so many people who don't have this traditional career trajectory that we're mm. kind of all sold when we're in school and growing yeah. up and in university that you're going to get a job and then you're going to like you know, rung by rung, work your way up the career. Yeah. Especially today when we're moving so much towards a contracted workforce that Absolutely. aren't employed in full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be like that. Like That's Whether right. we like it or not, it's going to be a jungle gym. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And with life expectancy going up and up and up and up and our health going up, you know, we are, we have got, we're spoiled for choice and you, it, it's not a reality that we can work in the same job in the same company with the same people for 40 years anymore Absolutely. like maybe our dads or granddads probably mm. did before yeah. so and, and like so that, yeah. Um, but yeah that is that is fascinating that is interesting yeah um, and so I you know that's something that I really identify with obviously I've mm. you know I said I don't think I've ever directly used this you know what I learned previously in my next job so yeah um, and you know I, I love it because it does afford um, such a breadth of experience as well like it, and it's the sort of thing like you're not going to always progress forward it might be that you take a sidestep or you might even move backwards before moving forwards again and yeah. and that's okay and there's like no I love the concept that there's no wrong decision yeah. um, because everything that you're learning at some point will will contribute to yeah. um, to your future um, so that was the first one I think another point that I really like about it is um, the concept of volunteering and you know doing um, doing things that you don't there are like with power of engineering and like you guys said before with this as well there are so many times when you're like why am I doing this yep. yeah why well, I'm like I'm sacrificing so much time and you know my mates are out there having fun I just want to watch Netflix right now or yeah whatever. exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I think about that every day yeah same, <laughs> same. but it's, it's quite amazing you know like we'll Especially on a Sunday, if we're doing, we're creating a lot of content or refining the content for this week's post or, or episode Sunday, or something, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then we literally feel like, oh man, you know, like, is this even worth it? Is anyone listening? Does anyone really care? And then yep. literally, I've had it a bunch of times at, at, at networking events or literally on the street. Someone's like, oh, you're that, you're the yeah. engineers, right? Mm-hmm. And literally, like. They say that and they're like, oh, I actually listened to you. I was at UQ yesterday, UQ event, and, and they said, oh, you're the pretension years, right? I actually really love your episodes. And that literally, in that minute, I'm, in that second, I'm like, all worth it. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. Because people literally turn around and say, hey, love what you did, loved what you talked about, you know, or I learned this, or I, got, I, I took this away or something. Mm-hmm. And instantly, it just makes it all worth it because you're just helping other people and really seeing your impact on other people and, and what you're, the value you're giving to other people. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's so true. Um, and... You know, like whether whether you've created something yourself or whether you're volunteering in another capacity. Um, the other thing that I love about it, about it is it just um, allows you to supercharge your skill set. Like, yeah. um, and it might be things that you don't even realize they're useful at the time. Um, like with even so, even this flying thing, for example, um, they when they approach, they're like, "Oh, also, can you put together like just shoot us a quick three minute, you know." Um, straight to video uh, pitch about you know why you know why you why you want to do this why you'd be good mm. and like three years ago I would have been like 
how do I talk about myself for three minutes? Like yeah, straight down yeah, the barrel yeah. of a camera, what do I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but because like through power of engineering and all this kind of side stuff I've been doing, I've pitched so much yeah. that it was like, oh yeah, I can do that easy. Yeah, for no sure. No problem. Yeah. Like, I've done this a thousand times. Um, <laughs> it's so good, yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah, just super st- supercharging your skill set. And I think it's the same for engineering professionals as well. Like with power of engineering, we have loads of our volunteers, our professional engineers, um, mm. but they get so much out of um, volunteering because with this, they get to like completely manage a project. You know, they, yeah. they get a good budget, they get a team, they get everything they need and they get 100% responsibility to manage yep. an entire project, with it, which they often don't get to do until later in their career. Yeah. So it actually gives them this, this well, learning. Yeah, it's like a step up, isn't it? And yeah. Yeah. That's, um, and it actually moves on to your next point. Um, for me, that's really relevant at the moment. I've kind of stepped out of like the kind of dream career as everyone um, speaks of, like doing the graduate program, moving up to the next role mm-hmm. and it all kind of good salary and all that type of thing. And your next point is let your values kind of drive where you go in life type thing. And for me, I could just feel it in, mm-hmm. in my bones yeah. that like this wasn't my values and what yeah. I believed in that I was working for. And um, I think you nailed it right at the start that most of us choose engineering because we like to create and we like to invent new things and we're fascinated by the way things work and things like that. And for me, um, that value wasn't really being satisfied. And also like I'm working for a renewable energy startup at the moment. And um, it's crazy because I've sacrificed all of my money. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm working on something that I'm so passionate about. I feel like it will change the world and I feel like it's also my responsibility, a bit like good old Spider-Man with the great response, uh, great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, my value is so environmental now and mm. that's where I want to go and God, I feel good about it at the end yeah. of the week when I finish up and yeah. it makes working so much easier. Yeah. And that's why I'm not really worried about the paycheck anymore. And mm. it's funny how the minute you start following your values and things like that, uh, like you said, it's tough, but like you, you don't really get so caught up in the paycheck and what's going on anymore. Absolutely. Whereas when you're working the job that you don't really like mm. and you're not value, uh, valuing, that's mm. when you're really caught up on like, yeah. did I get my 2% like inflation yeah. this year or what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so that true. for anyone listening is a really good indicator as to mm. if you are, are truly enjoying your job, that will not matter. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's a bigger picture. That's, I love that. That's I really like how you said that. That's a great point. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for me, that's really just something I've, I've learned in the last six months, mm. to be honest. And it was something I didn't really even know before. Mm. And I'm continuing to learn it and I want to kind of investigate it further because it's so hard to know what is truly in your heart and what your true values and passions are because we have so much around us and so many people telling us. Like, even my mum, I love it a bit, but she's pretty good at going, you need to do this and you need to go and earn money. Like, why aren't you earning money right now? And I'm like, mum, like, I want to go and do this. This is my passion. And she's not me. She'll she'll never know what my true passions are. She probably got a good idea, but at the end of the day, it has to come from you, and it can't come from anyone else. Absolutely. Um, if actually, if people are interested, um, I can post something maybe on my Instagram or LinkedIn um, when this episode comes out, like yeah. an exercise to help if you want to figure out what what the hell are my values. Yeah. Um, this um, that would be fantastic. Would be Love that. Yeah. yeah for I sure. think I might even do that again to yeah. <laughs> make sure I'm on the right path here. Yeah. But I love that point that you kind of brought up and your whole career just reigns true to that mm. from what you've um, spoken about yeah, today. Um, and the last one, I've got to remember what it is here. FOPO. Yeah, FOPO. That's FOPO. right. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's finish on this what's, last point. That's FOPO. Yeah, exactly. No, I, 
I uh, fly in. Uh... <laughs> fly in. Pick... Oh, I got no idea. No, but I think it's it's an amazing point to I suppose finish uh, finish on, and uh, I think especially in our in the, in this age of social media, um, it's it's been our lives uh, and our careers and everything about us has been more heavily scrutinised than ever. Mm. Um, so if you can talk a bit about FOPO, I, I love this fourth point, and it's probably the most important point to finish off mm. uh, finish off this episode. Especially yeah. for our generation, I think, yes. Yeah. I agree, yeah. So FOPO stands for fear of other people's opinions. Mm. And, you know, I so it, it, it's something that resonated with me um, because as a kid I was super shy. Like, I was really, really, really quiet. And for me that was because I just, I, like, was so absorbed in, like, what other people would think. Like, I didn't yeah. contribute to a conversation because I was worried about what people would think about what I would say and... Um, it was all about, yeah, FOPO. Um, so yeah, this point is about forgetting FOPO and I think it's really important, especially in this whole curiosity led career thing, because it's not, it's not the normal way to approach a career. And, Mm. you know, I've got so much well-meaning, well-meaning advice from people who just don't get it. Um, which is fine, but like they're very well intentioned and they want the best for me. Um, but it's, it's not actually relevant to what I'm about and who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this, yeah, this concept of um, forgetting about other people's opinions is really important. I think that uh, Brene Brown, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Of course. Brown? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a, amazing. She is a, literally a superhero. Yeah, oh, okay. man, you have to read some of her yeah, books. Yeah, have to get into it. She yeah. is, or she's, you can just follow her on, on Instagram, uh, sorry, LinkedIn or, or yeah, Facebook. She's also got a Netflix special out right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. to Courage, that so is, check that out. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. series, that man on Netflix, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It is, she is a powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so she deals in like all the uncomfortable things like vulnerability and shame and it. having yeah. courageous conversations. Yeah. And she, I think she talks about this concept really well. She says, when we care about what everyone thinks, it's really hard to be brave. Um, but at the same time, when we care about, when we stop caring about what anyone thinks, we lose our ability to connect. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is not about like developing a thick skin or, you know, brushing off what people think. It's actually just about figuring out who are the people, who are your people, the people who, whose opinions actually do matter to yeah. you. Yeah, and, um, it's, those people should fit on a one inch by one inch piece of paper. It yeah, should yeah. be six people or less. Yeah. Um, and if you're interested, like go and check out her work. She's got like, you know, yeah, this activity sure. and you know stuff you can do to help you work out who those people are. And, and yeah. those are the people's whose opinions matter. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I hate to have a bit of bromance over the podcast, but for me, like working with Ryan, like it's been a year now that we, we've been working together and I definitely had Bopo pretty bad to be honest. Mm-hmm. And Ryan is someone who has just absolutely no Fopo at all. <laughs> He'll be standing in the middle of the, the street doing a selfie video in front of millions of people walking by. Love it. Not so a good. care in the world. And I would sit there and just go, Oh my god, like I can't stand next to this guy. And as time's going on, he's just got this no care attitude and but he does connect with people like yeah. you're saying and uh, just goes about doing what he wants, like choose to love him or hate him he just goes and does it and for me that's been such a big learning hanging out with you mate to be able to kind of like yeah I'm starting to put my head in these little selfie videos a little bit I'm like oh, I don't know and now like it's really evolved and we kind of will get out and yeah it's just especially in the engineering world where we're very corporatized and structured and things mm-hmm. like that to have a head where like you get that nasty email from a client or something like that and to be able to just brush it off and like not go, oh my God, like I'm going to have I'm useless, I'm valueless. Exactly. Mm. Like yeah, it's yeah. such so an important, important skill. Yeah. 
So yeah, thank you, mate. I no, my, my my pleasure. It's been it's just as fun to be with you, mate. And, and <laughs> I suppose just the, the point you just talked about then, I reminded from our event yesterday, and I know I keep harping on about it. it was amazing then, and I think you maybe talked about it, Julian, and I think maybe Murray from BHP also talked about it. Is that um, if you uh, are almost not nervous, or if you uh, are not unsure about the conversation you're about to have with a mentor then maybe they're not the best mentor for you and and I, I just love the point you made about you know oh you're pushing your, your boundaries and pushing yourself and push yourself a little bit and your mentors should stretch you yeah. you know what I mean so if I act in a certain way and you're like oh I maybe can't do exactly what Ryan does but I'll do a little bit and a little bit and you stretch yeah, and yeah. push your, your boundaries and your comfort zone yeah I think that's perfect and so I think you need to have mentors uh, and, and and mentors don't have to be it's not a status thing it's not a top-down thing it's um it's just people, friends, and colleagues that can push you to become better. Yeah. Um, so I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But what an amazing episode. I know we've probably gone over our normal time, but it was just to include all the amazing content. So uh, Gillian Kenny, on such a whirlwind tour of the country, thank you very much for taking uh, a couple of hours out of your time. I know you've got a, a call in about six minutes, so we will wrap up. Yeah. But um, thank you so much.